Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Photo Show Live, the first episode of uh, the live series. Of course, uh, my fantastic guest today is Rich Joseph Fakun. And I'll start by um, giving you a little bio. But the way this is going to work is, you know, the, the first part of the show will be like a podcast. And Rich is going to tell us about himself and how he got started, a little background information. We'll have a little back and forth. Then Rich will show some work. And then we can take uh, questions from the audience. So, uh, hi, Rich. Thanks for joining. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. So, let me read uh, a little bit of your bio. It's, okay. it's, 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 a, it's a good long one, so I, I, I might abbreviate here and there. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> There's Rich, too many fancy words. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rich Joseph Facun is a photographer of indigenous Mexican and Filipino descent. His work aims to offer an authentic look into endangered bygone and fringe cultures, those transitions in time where places fade, but people persist. The exploration of place, community, and cultural identity present themselves as a common denominator in both his life and photographic endeavors. Before finding home in the Appalachian foothills of Southeast Ohio, Rich roamed the globe for 15 years working as a photojournalist. During that time, he was sent on assignment to over a dozen countries, and for three of those years, he was based in the United Arab Emirates. His photography has been commissioned by various publications, including NPR, The Atlantic, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, ProPublica, and on and on and on. You can read the rest of those on his website. <laughs> Additionally, Rich's work has been recognized by Photo Lucida's Critical Mass, CNN, Juxtaposed, British Journal, Washington Post, and that goes on a little bit. Uh, in 2021, his first monograph, Black Diamonds, was released... Uh, by Fall Line Press, the work is a visual exploration of the former coal mining boomtowns of Southeast Ohio, Appalachia. Subsequently, it was highlighted by Charcoal Book Club. Charcoal Book Club is sponsor of the show. <laughs> That's their <laughs> book of the month. Uh, Black Diamonds is also part of the permanent collection at the Frederick and Kasuko Harris Fine Arts Library and the Eamon Carter Museum of American Arts Research Library. And Rich is going to show that work, but also... Presently, Rich uh, is in the process of producing his next monograph, Little Cities, which is a kind of a sister book, and we'll get into that for Black Diamonds. Uh, that should be out this fall by Little Oak Press, and uh, I haven't seen it yet, so I'll, I'll be seeing it for the first time with, uh, with all of you tonight. And so, uh, yeah, Rich, hi. So why don't, uh, why don't we start with uh, a little bit of how you got into all of this? Into photography? Photography, ending up in Ohio. I know it's quite okay. a journey. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a roundabout way, but I mean, really it kind of started with skateboarding, just wanting to document my friends with a little point and shoot camera. And then that kind of trailed off and I forgot about skateboarding for a while. Cause as I mentioned earlier, when we talked before the show started, you know, I had a child when I was pretty much a child as well. So I was about 17 and I had to put my board away for a while and anything else that was interesting was trying to figure out a way to mm. take care of my, my child, my family. And and then much later, I think in my late 20s, I was 28 or somewhere around there, I accidentally took a, well, I accidentally ended up taking a photography class at a community college in Virginia. I needed a fine art credit and <laughs> I originally had signed up for sculpture because I was doing tree work at the time and I figured uh -huh. I could get, I could get free logs that I could use for materials to, to, you know, make things out of. And I was putting myself through school. So I said, oh, this is you know, no brainer. But then the class got canceled and the lady was like, well, we've got photography. And, and I was like, I don't want to do photography. You know, and <laughs> I, <laughs> I did. I mean, I had an interest in photography, but I just didn't want to do it because I knew I'd have to pay for uh, chemicals and yes. paper and all the other stuff that comes along with analog photography. And, and she's just was basically take it or leave it. So I took the course and, and ended up really just kind of got the bug and fell in love with photography again. And 
but really wasn't certain what to do with it. And I ended up, was very fortunate that at the time, V. Eden Smith, who's actually um, the chi- um, child of Vi and Clifton Edom, and uh, they're the ones who started the uh, Missouri Photo Workshop many, many years ago. So she happened to live in the area I was at, and she put on a workshop called Truth with a Camera. And at that time, it was had to have been dirt cheap because I was pretty broke, and I think it was like mm. maybe 50 bucks or something to attend for a week, work, week-long workshop. And Bill Epperidge was there. And, uh, Bill Epperidge is a well-known photojournalist, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know he was a legend at the time. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I was clueless. Carol Guzzi was there. There was like a lot, you know, and some other folks. And, and I really didn't have a clue who they were or the magnitude of their work. But towards the end of the workshop, they're like, you know, you should, what are you going to do with all this? Here? And they're like, like, I don't know. This we pursue a degree and you make a living doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they were like, yeah. So I, cause my, I was originally majoring a double major in philosophy and religious studies. Well, that, when, that's a career path too. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I was, I was going to do, do that and potentially get my judicial degree and, t- and, and, um, oh, go right. into law or pursue philosophy a little bit longer and then, um, teach at a university level. But, but then the photography kind of got in the way of all that. And, hmm. um, so, yeah, so I, I fell in love with photography and, and they started talking to me about different programs around the country for photojournalism. I didn't really even know what photojournalism meant, but it sounded good. I didn't know there was a difference between photojournalism and fine art photography and all the different genres. I just thought photography was photography. So right. I um, ended up enrolling at Ohio University in Athens, Ohio, and into their uh, visual communications program with the concentration in photojournalism or visual communications and just jumped in at full force and started taking pictures and working for newspapers and that's kind of what brought me into photography and kept me around for a while then I kind of jumped all over the place from there. Were were you pretty much situated in Ohio by then or were were you just thinking I'm gonna go wherever work is at that point? You mean like when I graduated from? Yeah I mean you were you were uh, you were in photojournalism at that point right when you graduate Ohio? Yeah, I had done, I think at that point, I think I had done three intern three internships while I was an undergrad and then moving out to New Mexico and I was working in Gallup for a very short stint. And then I went back to Virginia and I freelanced for the Virginian Pilot, which was my hometown paper. But at the time, it was a really great visual paper. Uh, it was known for its use of photography. Um, so I got to learn a lot from the people there. And then uh, what happened? No, then I stopped taking pictures. I moved out to Arizona and I stopped making pictures for about <laughs> a year or so. Um, Why was that? I just couldn't figure out my way. I couldn't figure out how to make it work. I couldn't figure out how to make a living from it. Things just weren't lining up. And it was a lot of freelance work up up until that point. Yeah, nothing and steady. So, yeah, nothing steady. And you know, and I was making more money before I went to college doing blue collar work than I was when I got out of college. And now I have the student loan too. So. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of frustration, especially at that point. I think I was maybe 30 or close to 30, you know, and had my child already. And I was just kind of, man, why did I go to school? And I'm making less than I did when I was working with, before <laughs> I had a degree. So, um, but I, uh, I was really fortunate because uh, I ended up in Tucson, Arizona. And a mentor of mine that was originally at the Virginian Pilot had made his way to becoming a director of photography in Tucson, the Tucson paper. And um, I didn't even know he was there. Um, he didn't know I was there, but I had talked to an old colleague and, they, and she had mentioned, hey, have you talked to Victor? And I was like, 
what do you mean? And she goes, well, he's, he's the DOP in two, the paper in Tucson. I was like, you sure it's not Phoenix? <laughs> and, she's, and she was like, no, it's Tucson. So I, I called him up and I was like, hey, how's it going? And, and one, one thing led to another and he asked me kind of what I've been up to. And I said, oh, I've been working on some projects and I didn't want to tell him I hadn't been shooting. And so I just said, I had some projects I've been working on. And, and he said, well, let's go to dinner and can, you can share your work with me when, you know, when we uh, go out. So I did have a project that he hadn't seen since we had last talked. So I brought that and we got to talking and then he um, created a freelance budget to get me back. He didn't know I hadn't been shooting, but basically created a freelance budget so that I could come work, do some work for him. And um, that led into like an internship. And then I left there and got like a, my first real staff position as a photo editor in his paper outside in the suburbs of Chicago. What leads you to the United Arab Emirates then? <laughs> um, <laughs> So um, I was hanging out. Well, this was 2000, 2008, early 2008 or mid 2008. And my wife had been watching the um, the economy, U.S. economy, and she was concerned about it. She kept telling me that the, the economy was going to tank and that the U.S. was in trouble and that we should move abroad and leave the States. And she wasn't wrong. <laughs> no, she wasn't. <laughs> but I entertained the idea. I was like, OK, yeah, sure. Let's talk about it. And, you know, but not full fledged like committed, you know? And so we were looking at different places and different countries. And, and then I noticed that my, well, my friend had just moved to Abu Dhabi for a position at the paper there. And I noticed that there was an opening at the paper he was at. And so I, I think I either called or messaged or text him. Somehow I reached out to him and, uh, was like, Hey, what's going on? You know, I was like, Are you, is this your job or did everything, something not work out? Are you okay? Is everything fine? And He's like, oh, no, no, they're hiring. You should you should um, reach out to the director and let them know I sent you. But you missed the deadline because they're a day ahead. And uh, he said, but just reach out to him anyway and just tell him I you know, mentioned my name or whatever. So I so and uh, he told me kind of like the deal with benefits and pay and things. And, and I got off the phone or, and uh, my wife was like, what did he say? And I was like, oh, he said I should apply and that they'd probably, you know, they pay pay us this, this. And these are the benefits because they had crazy benefits, like like. I think you got a three thousand or five thousand dollar furniture allowance every year, <laughs> something crazy like that. But in just other random bells and whistles that were amazing. So <laughs> oil money, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like I had a car they gave me, and, and I never paid for gas. They paid for all my gas, personal and business use. It was insane. But um, so I got off the phone, and she's like, "Are you going to apply?" And I was like, "No." What are you talking about? I was like, "I'm, I'm good. I'm happy where I'm at." And she goes, no, 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 you should apply. I was like, fine. So I like copied and pasted my my bio and just mm. made that my cover letter and sent a link to it was like a half effort, but because it was, you know, nothing I wouldn't do that now, but yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just one of those things. <laughs> so I sent it out and uh ended up getting, you know, call back and they offered me the position. And one thing led to another, and my wife was just like, Hey man, like when's the next time you'll get an opportunity to live abroad and experience a different culture and have the, you know, the, the relocation paid and get offered a really nice salary. And I said, no, 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 that's fine. Let's, you know, let's, let's do it. So what kind of work was it? I was working, I was a staff photographer for, it's a newspaper called the national. Mm -hmm. um, it was owned at the time it was owned by the crown prince of the UAE. But um, since that time, I believe it's been bought by a different media conglomerate. In terms of editorial freedom, things like that, was there any difference? Did you? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a difference. Things? Yeah. There, there's definitely a difference in, than working in the States for, a journalist or, or a newspaper, a few of them. So I'll highlight those. One one was that you really couldn't report in a neg negative light or tone about things that were happening within the UAE. Things as minor as like a concert, like if you, they didn't want you to give like poor concert reviews. <laughs> and and then 
when that particular newsroom was built up of journalists from the UK, Europe, Southeast Asia, the Middle East, and a little, a very small percentage from the US. So you have all these different people of diff- coming together with different philosophies and theories of how journalism should be approached. And <laughs> I'm not going to point fingers at anything, but definitely like there were some clashes with me and like as far as ethics and morals and <laughs> how I was trained to treat journalism as opposed to how others were from different places in the world. So, um, so that was slightly challenging, things like that. There's a lot of um, laborers that come there from all, mostly from Southeast Asia. You know, they, they typically are living in labor camps. That's, that's the term they call them. They're called mm-hmm. labor camps. And they're usually out in the middle of nowhere in the, of the desert. And it's all these men in kind of mediocre you know, conditions. And so I had been working on a project on um, documenting these men and their lives there. But um, that quickly was squashed as far as like ever seeing oh, okay. the, day, the light of day, but, you know, <laughs> so things like that. So, so there was a variance in sort of about of the, you know, what you could actually report on and to what degree. How long did you, how long were you there then? Three years, exactly. Three. Day. Okay. <laughs> and was it a kind of, okay, that's enough time to go back to the States or, you know, did the work dry up? What no, the work out? was always there. It's mm-hmm. just, um, and in fact, it was nice because I ended up connecting with the um, stock agency as well as a commercial agency. So I was getting work um, doing stock photography as well as commercial work. So that was, you know, that they were based out of Dubai. So that was a really great opportunity. So I was making more money than I ever made in my life in photography. But I think the biggest, one of the biggest things was like my son, more so my son, not so much my daughter, because my daughter was, I think, less than a year old was to me was getting too accustomed to growing up with grown men and women waiting on him mm. hand and foot. And I didn't grow up that way. And that's not the way I want to raise my children. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was part of it for sure. You know, I just, I just saw, I saw my sons getting a little too comfortable <laughs> lounging <laughs> by the pool, having grown men, bringing fresh juice and, and handmade pizza. I was just like, mm. and, and do your kids remember this? And do my they... son, my son does. And are they still mad at you? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> he, he actually, he actually loves it here as yeah. well. Um, <laughs> but, and, and the other thing too, though, was I, I felt like as far as like cultural or identity based upon the, the country you're from, I felt like there was a possibility that both of them would not be able to like really identify with you know, the same cultural identity that Americans that grew up in the U.S. have. That being said, of course, you know, there's certainly plenty of wonderful things about not just the UAE, but other countries and cultures that we could certainly benefit from as Americans, you know, to take on and adopt, adopt some of those right. beliefs and practices. But in general, like, I just felt like I wanted my son to, my children to grow up yeah. back on, back in the States. I don't want to go too far back, but just to mention, I mean, your, your father was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Forgive me. I, I forget which, which side of your family is which. Your, your father is- My father's from the Philippines and my mother- okay. <laughs> so your father immigrated to the U.S., joined the Navy, yes. and you kind of grew up moving around. Do you think that's part of you know the ease in which you were you know, able to just sort of jump around and move around and try new places? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I always loved moving moving around. And when my dad was an uh, active military, I really enjoyed you know finding out like where he would be stationed next. You know, we'd move every three to four years with him in the military, and I always was excited about. It. The only time I was disappointed was the last movie we made was from. We were based in Meridian, Mississippi, and we had the opportunity to go to Guam or Alaska or back to Norfolk, Virginia. And I really wanted to go to Guam or or Alaska. Alaska was my second choice. 
And they, my mom and dad both really um, enjoyed their time in Virginia previously. So they decided that we were going to go back to Virginia and I was really disappointed. (laughs) 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 But on the flip side, my son's not like that. He didn't enjoy the constant moves and things like that. He, we started to see that, you know, that it was becoming and having a negative effect on him at some point. And that's when we ended up moving somewhere where we would be permanently based and he could build some longer and meaningful relationships with friends. All right. So, so why don't we uh, jump ahead a little bit into mm-hmm. then how you end up settling in Ohio and really exploring the, your neighbors? So um, we were coming back from, well, we were on a cross-country road trip and we ended up visiting um, Flagstaff, Arizona, which is where my wife's father lived at the time. And we really enjoyed the mountains and the recreational sports and just the outdoor life there. And so we got to talking, we were like, you know, my wife grew up in LA. She's like, I don't want our kids to grow up in the South. At the time we were living in Virginia. And uh, I said, Oh, hmm, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and so when we, when we got back to Virginia, I, we started looking for, for a change in my, in my career path. Cause my wife had been a stay at home mom up until that point. So we were just looking for something for me that would be a good fit. And also at the same time, the journalism industry was really taking a hard hit and, you know, things weren't as stable as they used to be. And, I don't know that they ever were, but um, they seemed like they were just slipping. And I think I felt like I was on a sinking ship. So I said, well, what can we go to next? And we ended up narrowing it down to getting into working with universities. And um, a position opened up here at Ohio University. And it seemed like a really good fit for me. And I applied and ended up getting offered the the role. And we moved out here because part of it is we wanted to be, like I said before, somewhere that was in the mountains here. We're in the foothills, but um, that was good enough. And the land is very affordable here. And um, the other thing that was important for myself as well as my wife is that we lived in a community that that uh, embraced like diversity and inclusion amid many other um, open-minded ways of thinking. What was the job at the time? I was a photographic resources supervisor for the the uh, Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine. That's a med school that's here in. Ohio University. But since then, I've moved over to a role working in the communications and marketing for the entire university, not just the the college, the medical college. Okay. And that's what you're doing now? Yeah, I do that. But I also work for um, Yaffe Press. Yes. And then I also do a bunch of like contract photography, contract photographer. So a little bit of everything. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Do you still do editorial work? Yeah, I do. Um, I just came back from New York working for ProPublica and and, um, had a really wonderful shoot there. This one's been pretty good. It was like ProPublica, AARP, somebody else. I can't remember right now, but good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been good, and it's been fortunate, you know, because getting to that point where editors are calling and, and hoping for me to do work for them that's similar um, to the type of work that I kind of been shifting towards with with my. Um, series that I've been doing in Ohio since I yeah. moved here. What are you doing at Yafe Press? A little bit of everything. <laughs> the biggest thing I do is help. Um, I help the the photographers raise their funds for their their books. Well, that's then, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you just finished. Uh, I did a just finish raising mine. Yeah, I did. Oh, Congratulations, by the way. Again. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyone here who gave, thank you. I guess right. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Anyone who gave, thank you very much. It was a nail biter, but uh, definitely challenging. And it was the first campaign I did that funded Black Diamonds. You know, the money was raised within two weeks. It was a really quick and um, fast. Mm-hmm. The second one, this were little cities took you know a lot longer and it drug on for such a long time. It was like, pulling my hair out, but I think that's kind of good in a way because now working with Yaffe, it's like 
it gives me the opportunity when I do work with different artists that, you know, if they're having a, a more challenging time uh, meeting their goals for their funding, at least I've been there and I have a better sense of like where I can pull from that and, and, and share that experience with them and kind of say, okay, and you know, bring the nerves back down to earth and like, kind right. of help us focus and like reach our goals. So, so I do that. And then I also do a lot of the, do all the press outreach for all the artist books that come out. And then Jennifer Yaffe does have a podcast that she's taking a break from. Yes. Yeah. So I do a lot. I do help do with the research on that. So that's been fun. The only thing I don't like about that is that doing all the research and helping with the editing and stuff, it spoils it. Because then <laughs> I've already heard everything and read everything and it's oh, not as funny. fun to, 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 to listen to the final product. You I've know? never, I never thought of that. <laughs> Because obviously I edit my own. I also edit for Sasha Wolf. Yeah. And uh, I, I never really thought of like that. I, I, I kind of like the, um, like seeing the whole thing, getting the whole thing. And, yeah. and I don't, you know, I, as an editor, you get to also shape it a little bit. Right. And so I mean, ways. I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't edit it to the degree, like what you're doing oh, I edit okay, in okay. the sense of like, I'm pulling articles and reading through them and highlighting, right, and saying, hey, this right. might be a point of interest and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jennifer works all the magic on the on that end of the thing. Oh, she's okay. pretty, pretty amazing in that sense. She's just one day is like, I'm going to do a podcast, and she just killed it. So, yep, yep, absolutely, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so yeah. I was helping with that, but that's kind of been on the back burner a little bit because um, we've got a ton of books coming out this year, and then also you know I keep an eye out for any potential um, talent that I think would be a, well, a book of interest for her to pick up. Nice. Um, yeah, so yeah. I get a, a little bit of everything, really. And like I said, so it's been fun to meet new artists and look at like a lot of different work that I normally wouldn't be informed about. And, and also just kind of get more insight about how the industry works and how you make things can make things happen for yourself and for others. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So you're having a little bit of a storm there. Do I, do you, are your lights blinking a little bit? <laughs> they are blinking a little bit. I'm just like, all right. We're just going to prepare know, in case you go again, right? Where's my candles and like, you know. <laughs> well, I why don't we, I, before we <laughs> run out of electricity and time, um, I think we should, we should move into you showing some work. And I'll, I'll, I just want to preface it with, with some questions and all. You know, you moved to Ohio. You, you, you're part of this community that's, you know, within Appalachia, right? Mm -hmm. And you're you're doing this work which is very documentary in style and so you know the roots of photojournalism are there as well yes. right you're you're a documentary uh, worker here and yep. but what happens is as you're doing this work the country is going through a, a bit of a change a bit of turmoil with black lives matter and the politics are, are you know going off the charts and and as you're doing this work, you know, that starts to creep into your mind about what's happening in a way that, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, I, I see this parallel course that you're running where you're starting to think about your identity and your background and how there are labels and misunderstandings and uh, the way you are visible within a community. And that kind of goes hand in hand with the way you're trying to show the people around you, show your neighbors, show your community. In finding your place in that community, you're also kind of exposing what are the misunderstandings or what are the cultural misunderstandings with the people in, in, in Appalachia, which is very much embedded in the this wonderful um, epilogue written by Alison Stein. Great writer. Amazing. <laughs> it's, kind, it's a kind of love letter, right? Yes. To the people of Most Appalachia. Definitely. Yeah. And, um, you know, everyone should pick up the book and read that. But, you know, there's a there's this great affection in the writing and also a, a defense of the community in the writing. Yes. Um, and so... Uh, you do Black Diamonds, and 
Little Cities isn't really separate work. It's it's sort of another way to look at the community through more yes. landscape as opposed to portraiture in some ways, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and it's so, also yeah. looking at our effects of how we're how we as a, as a not necessarily it's ideally will transcend just this community, but it'll be looking at how right. um we can't we, we treat the landscape and, and what we've done with it from, throughout the years and through history. Yeah, or a, a great interest of mine personally. But yes, yeah, so at this point, Rich is going to show his work. If you are watching this on YouTube, there's nothing you have to do. If you are listening to this as an audio podcast, I've linked to the slideshow on YouTube in the show notes. You don't have to stop now and go watch that. When I close out the show, I make some references to things that were brought up during the slideshow, but they're not so oblique that you won't understand what we're talking about. All right, so back to the show. One of the things I wanted to follow up with you about is then this sort of cultural journey, this cultural explanation where you're, where you were exploring your community. Uh, you mentioned that your wife and your wife's name is Jasmine. Uh, your Jasmine asked, you know, where are you in these pictures when it came to the, the little cities work as well? Mm-hmm. You know, this idea of the, the indigenous American and these, these hills you were talking about, these uh, burial mm-hmm. mounds, are those kind of markers in a sense for where you connected you in the pictures? Yeah, I think for sure. You know, and it's it's been, um, you know, coming up as as Filipino and indigenous Mexican, there's always been this identity crisis where, oh, you're not this, you're not that. Like, what are you? Where do you find your place? So, so again, it's just like another opportunity to kind of learn something that photography has provided for me is like to learn not only about others, but also to learn about myself and, and defining myself and my identity. The The other thing that came up when you were showing your work, you were going to leave it up to people to sort of uh, to the, more to their imagination in little cities, uh, less so about explaining that these are burial mounds or that the blue in the water was, was caused by aluminum, but you wanted to sort of have these images go beyond a place and be more representative of this broader idea of what we do to the landscape, uh, how we live in this world and, and what we kind of leave behind. Right. Yes. Um, for sure. I, I was thinking about a question I asked earlier with you coming from this photojournalism background and doing this documentary work. Is this a, do you think a, a real intentional break from that photojournalism background? Thinking yeah. Thinking about how to work I mean, differently? Like, for sure. I mean, it's just been an opportunity to kind of, you know, when you're working as a journalist, you, you know, there's, a, um, there's obviously a different approach as far as like keeping your voice or your opinion out of the work. And that can be, that's arguable, you know, can you really be objective, but, you know, do your best to be objective. And then, and also, you know, you're working with the writer and you're trying to collaborate with, with each other in order to um, tell this narrative that may educate folks or put light on a, a subject that's been hidden. But with Little Cities and with Black Diamonds, it's given me the, the opportunity to kind of explore and put my own voice into the work and to talk and to specifically address or photograph topics that are compelling and meaningful to me and to actually be able to voice my opinion about those those topics and um, not hide behind well not say hide behind being a journalist but not have the responsibility of having an objective opinion about mm-hmm. something it's you know so that's that's been definitely a welcoming opportunity right when when it's just trying to describe facts and thinking about just showing things in the moment, you do shield yourself, you protect yourself from the sort of the bigger ideas, right? The, like when Yasmin asked you, where are you in these pictures? Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
But what's nice though is there is, has been crossover now. Like when I went to um, do this work for ProPublica a couple of weeks ago or last week or week, I can't remember a couple of weeks ago maybe, <laughs> and you had the opportunity to now approach the the subject matter in the same way in which I photographed Black Diamonds in Little Cities. You know, the editor was like, you know, you think you'd be a great fit for this because it's a similar topic. I can't get into exactly the specifics because it hasn't published yet, but um, I did have the opportunity to now apply this personal aesthetic that I created for my current work and now apply that to the editorial work that I'm doing for other, other people. So that's been a nice outcome. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to thank you for all this time and thank everyone for joining, uh, the first photo show live podcast. (laughs) And and Rich, it's been such a pleasure uh, to talk about you and your work. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me come on. And it's nice to finally uh, have a put a face to the voice that I've been listening to with the other podcasts. So. <laughs> thank you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so nice. And uh, hopefully we uh, can see each other in person sometime soon. Sounds good. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs>